like the way that it's rendered here in the message because the message renders it this way. That's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. Huh? Think of it that way. That's a pretty good way to illustrate that. Now, review. We've been talking about keeping our balance. You remember uh, what we learned about that. And, and, I, and I have to say, I'm pulling from quite a few different resources here of things that I've learned. And I'm just going to share it. I've come up with all this and things like that. So don't think that. Uh, but we were looking at keeping balance. And there are at least three things that we need to be aware of. You've got to have a point of reference. If you're walking on a, on a log across a river or you're walking on a you know, tight rope or a fence or something, you have a point of reference. And, and, and these balance artists, they, they always do that. They'll pick out a spot and they keep their eyes on it. Um, because when you take your eyes off your point of reference, you, you tend to get out of balance, right? Even driving a car and riding a motorcycle is so important that as you're leaning into a curve, you look where you're going, where you're wanting to go. Because, you know, even driving a car, when you look away, you tend to go the direction you look, right? That's why there's so many guys in the fall, right, before deer season and everything, that you got to watch out because they'll be looking out in the field and you start going off the edge. And it's that's the whole reason why they put those rumple strips along the side, right? So when you start to get over the edge, it goes, you know, it vibrates, right? It's because they knew so many around here, they started doing that. So we got to do that because, you know, guys are looking out in the field, seeing, there's, look, there's deer out there, you know, just like that. Because you tend to go the direction you're looking. You got to have a good point of reference. And we found out weeks ago that our point of reference is Christ and his kingdom. And we were to seek him and his kingdom first, right? And the word of God, the word of God, Christ and his word. That's our point of reference. We got to keep our focus right there on him. And then last week we talked about uh, the objective of why do we have stuff anyway? And God wants to bless us. And, and sometimes it's like, why should God bless me more? Because I'm not doing too well with what he has has blessed me with already, right? Uh, but, um, but anyway, uh, you got to have a clear objective. And we found out that the clear objective of why we have stuff, of whether it's when I give or whether it's what I'm enjoying, enjoying on, uh, for myself or whatever, that the clear objective is to honor God, to honor God. And God is so honored, by the way, in the way that we seek him first and become rich in him. And he's honored even the part that he's given you to enjoy. You know, it's like if you give your child or your grandchild a gift, when they enjoy it, it blesses you. It, 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 it really is, is bothersome when you give and then they seem to not appreciate it. Yo, Thanksgiving. Huh? Because when we're not thankful, we, we, what we're telling God is we think we deserve all of this and more. And we don't deserve any of it. So even the part that remains in your hands that he wants you to enjoy it and be grateful and have a heart of thanksgiving and praise. He does. He does. We don't do any of that because our focus is wrong so often. Uh, and so we're going to talk about that. And that goes in the category of constant corrections. That when you're walking, you've got to make constant corrections. You know, you keep your arms out balanced. And I find that constantly we have to be aware of all these things, all of these truths. So we want to, and this week, Lord willing, next week we'll see, uh, to try to, to keep the right adjustments. And so what Jesus is talking about here is something that has to do with us realizing a heart of gratitude. This works out so good for Thanksgiving, which I'm sad that Thanksgiving becomes kind of a, uh, an afterthought or, or a by-the-way type thing that we, we go through in the fall just before we get in. A, we're already in the, in the Christmas stuff, right? Take a moment, and you need to be thankful. And you say, well, what? My life's just a mess. Then be thankful for the mess, that you're in. 
because he will use that to do amazing things, okay? So let's talk about this whole thing of recognizing the extra. That's what this story is about. Um, how to manage the extra. The man in Jesus' story had a bumper crop and he messed up, right? He tells us, Jesus like made up this story. You know, it could have been based on something that really happened. But anyway, he makes up and tells a story to make an illustration. And a lot of times when you tell a story like that, or even Jesus, when he tells a story, he, you know, some of the things are kind of like exaggerated. Like he has this great pumper car. He has a build barns and it's to, it's to make a point, right? So sometimes, you know, that's what we, I do. Um, and sometimes somebody in my family, like maybe even my wife might remind me, you're not telling that story right. And I'm saying, well, I'm not lying. I'm just remembering big, right? Just for effect, just for effect, for illustration, right? And so like, remember when Jesus told the story about the guy that, that you, you, um, <clears throat> that, you know, your, your friend has a little tiny speck in his eye and you're, you're going to help him. You got like a two before sticking out of yours. That's exaggerated. That's, that's, you know, to make a point, right? And that's kind of what he's doing here. Uh, and it's about recognizing and understanding how we manage the extra. And yes, sir, you're already sitting there saying, all right, Let's wrap it up. Let's go because you're not talking to me today because I don't have any extra. I don't. I mean, extra bills. Yeah, I got that, but I don't have any extra. Uh, but, uh, and it's one thing that God wants us to do when it even comes to finances. We need to track it, right? You need to know where it goes. And for some of us, it might be an amazing revelation for a month to just really keep good records and just track every dime we spend and give and see where it actually goes and look at that, right? Look at that. Oh, wow. You know, I remember when my folks were really doing this and us boys were old enough that we were, we were tuning in on it. Um, that's, that's when, um, and I didn't ask permission, but hopefully you'll forgive me. My dad, he quit smoking, uh, is that we got to doing that and figured out how much he was spending. And my brother said, dad, we could buy a bass boat. You know what dad did? He quit smoking and we bought a bass boat. I didn't say he quit chewing, but he quit smoking. He was doing both. Anyway. <laughs> so, but what I mean is just like, wow, I didn't realize that. You might not realize. So, so we need to know where it goes. And that's a very wise thing that all of us can do very simply, especially with, you know, computers. They keep up with it a little bit better. Um, but um, maybe all you see is extra bills. But actually, we may already be fooling. And sometimes I fool myself with this because... Uh, I, I need help sometimes seeing that I might have more extra than I think I have. And uh, what I do with that is actually tell something about me. It's an indication and a reflection of something deeper in my heart of what I do with that extra stuff. So part of the problem is, is that I, we rarely ever see extra lying around, right? The reason why is it doesn't lie around. We consume it. We use it or we stash it for later on, right? Uh, it, 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 we, we sometimes do all of those things. So let me see. Do we have any extra here today? You don't have to raise your hand, but you can pretend that you are. How many of us live indoors? You've got a roof over your head, okay? You actually have a home to go and find shelter. You have the ability to stay warm in the winter, we have enough food that we know we're going to eat every day for the rest of the week. And in some place, it'd be that you know you have enough food for today and are looking good for tomorrow. You'd be considered 
okay, right? So you've got, you've got house, you've got shelter, you live inside, your, your family, your kids live inside there with you. You've got clothes to wear and more than one. You realize in a lot of places in the world, people only have like one set or maybe two sets of clothes. That's it. That's all that they have. Uh, but you've got clothes, uh, you've got food, you've got, uh, guess what? You're rich compared to a lot of people on this planet right now. Because anything more than that, you could say is extra, right? It's extra. I mean, um, we've got more cars than we need a lot of times. And do you realize, you look at the world population, a high percentage of the people in the world don't even have one car. We've got televisions in nearly every room, right? And, uh, you know, and, 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 and most, a lot of people don't have one. And I remember for years, we just had one, right? If you go watch TV, you got to go to the TV room, right? And, and, and when we first lived here, before, you know, we, we, didn't even have, we didn't have one in the living room, right? You had to go downstairs to the family room and watch TV. Now we got, we got well, you know what? You could even get, you could, you could get TV on this. Yeah, I just turned my timer off. I don't know how long I've been talking now. <laughs> Sorry about that, folks. Anyway, we'll move right on. But uh, you know, I, sometimes I have to ask myself how often things that I call necessities are really extras. I mean, and how often that I do extra stuff that isn't necessary and I don't even think about it. I mean, a lot of us feed more stuff to our garbage disposal than what a lot of families get to eat. We'll throw more food out than what a lot of families even get to have. Which, by the way, you know, our garbage disposal when I was a kid growing up were the pigs or the dogs in the backyard, right? Right? That was the garbage disposal. Uh, but um, anyway, our pigs and our dogs eat better than a lot of families in the world. True? Here's our problem. My problem. <clears throat> Is that we actually, in our in our culture, in our land, feel financial pain, not when we can't eat or don't have a place to stay, but when we just have less extra than we're used to. We feel pain when we just have less extra. We think we're in bad shape. Our desire for extra is like all the rest of our appetites. It, it never can fully be satisfied. The more we have, the more we want, you know, and things like that. We're rarely thankful. I mean, we're not content. And, and it's great to be driven and do the best you can, but there's something to be said with being content and thankful. Amen? So balance once again. Balance. Lord, help me be balanced in this. Remember what the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 13, 5. He said, let your conduct, it's the way you live, be without covetousness. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Be content with such things as you have. Do you take time to just be thankful and content with what you have? And here's one reason why you should be, this is, this is, this, see, without Jesus, it'd be kind of tough, but now you've got something attached to that. The verse doesn't stop there because he quotes from the Old Testament. He says, for he himself, he himself, it's in hearsay, he said it. I will never leave you or forsake you. And you've got him. You've got everything. And he said, I feed the birds. Hmm? I feed uh, the birds and I clothe the flowers. Don't you think I care more about you than them? Well, we live in a culture, and boy, is it ever cranking into high gear that the whole focus of everything is to keep us focused on what we don't have. I mean, that's the whole 
thing of advertising is to make me feel like I'm not happy with this thing I've got. I need that. So you'll spend money and buy it, right? The whole thing, and we're hit with it. We never stop being bombarded with it. I'm trying to read an article and popping up is stuff that I don't ever remember searching for. How did it know? Is it listening to me? I've actually tested that, and I don't think it's completely true. And if you ask me, I will privately tell you how I've tested that and found out that like Facebook and all that doesn't necessarily listen to everything you say. Um, but um, but it, I don't think it does. I don't think it does. But there's been times, you ever had that happen? You don't remember ever searching for something, all of a sudden an ad to something you've been talking about pops up? Yeah, creepy. But it's all to make us feel unhappy about what we have and, and, and desiring something we don't have. It, it, to make us unhappy, discontent, okay? Our, our whole economy is based on all of us being discontent and we need something else, right? But uh, instead of being thankful, you know, I, I just want more. So the problem is as long as I'm on a quest for more, if that's really my mindset, I'm always on a quest for more. Anytime more comes along, I will just automatically assume that it's for me, Right? There's more comes along. It's got to be mine, mine. You got to get what you can. Now, God does balance time. God does want us to enjoy blessings, and he wants us to do the best we can. There's nothing wrong with having nice things. Although, growing up, we rarely had nice things. Because us boys always wrecked them or tore them up, you know. I remember we got the lava lamp, you know, in the 70s. You remember the lava lamps? And they may be back in style, but we did. And mom was really kind of proud of that lava lamp. It didn't take long before me and Russ throwing a ball around hit the lava lamp. And lava lamps cannot survive a basketball, you know. And, and she would always say, this is why we can't have nice things, right? It's like anything nice, you guys tear it up. But God doesn't mind for us to have nice things but the question is is do we have the attitude that it is all for us i have nice things or do they have me mm-hmm. i mean do i consider all the extra out there like necessities like food and water and air do i view it all as mine to consume now or later you know and i can stash it because i i i, I don't really need this but I, i'm gonna hang on to it you know why because i'm liable to need it I'm liable to need it. You know, we use that terminology. Of course, a lot of us Ozarkians, we say lobble. I'm lobble. I'm lobble. I don't know. I was just thinking about that as I was going over this. I'm lobble. And I, you know, say that around somebody from that's moved in here and said, wobble? You're what? No, lobble. What is that? Are we speaking a foreign language again around here? No, we're liable to need it. I'm lobbler. You're lobbler. Need that. Okay, but that's our mindset. And sometimes uh, uh, we only, the only time we think about the poor or people who need, uh, who, who don't have things that they need is, is like if we volunteer at the soup kitchen, if we go on a mission trip. And I can tell you the biggest culture shock, if you've been here with us on Wednesday nights a few weeks ago, we showed some video clips and stuff from one of the mission trips that as a con- we, we, we did back in 1997. Uh, Tim Johnston was here. Was that last week? And you know, with Tim and with Friends of New Tribes, uh, we went, um, Friends in Action now, uh, as we went to Papua New Guinea and, um, and about, they prepared us very well for the culture shock and and things like that. But you know, I think we all did pretty well. Um, But my biggest time of crisis is when I got back home and pulled up in front of the house. 
And I just sat there. And I wept to think of how much we've been given and how little we appreciate it. It did. It got to me. Well, he wants to give us some advice about managing the extra. So he wants us to recognize it, but he wants us to manage it. That's what this whole thing's about. Uh, so Jesus is confronted. And back to our story. Ready? Back, back to the scripture. Jesus is confronted by a person who felt like either he was a victim of his brother's greed or else he's trying to get to his brother. We don't really know which here because it doesn't really tell us. Um, so either the older brother was holding on to something that belonged to him, tell him to share the inheritance. Or if you know much about that culture, usually the older brother got like an extra portion and he's like, that's not fair. I want more than what's supposed to. I don't know. I don't know. So which one was the greedy and covetous one? Maybe both of them. I don't know. So just take a look at that story in your own time. Think about that. He doesn't really tell us, but he says, beware Watch out for covetousness. Now, to covet is to desire for yourself something that belongs to someone else. You wish you had it, and they didn't. This is a problem. And so people can't see on the inside uh, where you're coveting. This is an inside thing. Most all the other commandments, you can see, observe outward things that show that you've broken those. This is one that's on the inside, that's in the heart, not as obvious. It's like... You're a thief in theory. You would, but you, you, you haven't. You, know, you, you want to take some. You want something that someone else, and you want it to be yours. You wish they didn't have it, and I did. So Jesus turns to the crowd, and that's what these guys are arguing about with their inheritance. And he warns about this, about covetousness. And he makes that statement that a person's life does not consist of the abundance of what they possess. So this is it. Uh, he's like, life doesn't consist in how much of the extras you have. That's what Jesus said. He reminded him. That's where he said it. And uh, of the abundance of things you... That's not what your life is supposed to be about. Now, we think that we know this. But is this how we live? We, we, we theory, we know this. So Jesus is saying you can find out by keeping an eye on what you do with all the extra stuff. You might be fooling yourself. And then he tells us a story. The man was already rich, he says. He's already a rich man, already. But on top of that, he has a bumper crop. He doesn't even know what to do with all the extra. But here's what he did believe. He believed that all the extra was all his. Did you catch that? And if he can't consume it or sell it now, he'll fix it so he can have it later. He never considered God. Did you notice when I read that, I purposely kind of emphasized the I. What will I, where will I store my crops? I will tear down my barns and I will build, I will build, you know, greater. And I will, I, 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 it was all focused on himself. No thought of others, no thought of God whatsoever in that. Remember, everything comes from God. Everything actually belongs to God and is distributed by God as he sees fit. Uh, so this man was out of balance. He focused on himself and nothing on God at all. He thought he had gotten all that stuff by himself. A self-made man. Remember, everything comes from God. Everything belongs to God. This guy was focused on time instead of eternity. And that can be a lot of our problem. We're only focused on the right here and right now. And not focused on the eternity, on the big picture. He was focused on time rather than eternity. And, uh, and when it happens, we can be like the lukewarm Christians of Laodicea that the book of Revelation reminds us about. And in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, says, Because you say, this is what you say. God is saying, you say, 
I'm rich. And I've become wealthy and I have need of nothing. That's what we think about ourselves. I'm all right on my own. He says, and you don't even know that you are actually wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You don't see the truth about yourself. You're fooling yourselves. I don't want to be like that. So that's why it's kind of a shock in the story because when he's telling this, up to this point, it sounds like he's really making some wise financial decisions. The only thing is, is the I, 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 and the my, my, my. And then I'm just going to relax and I'm going to say to my soul, I'm not just going to say to my bank account, I'm going to say to the deepest eternal part of me, my soul. Did you catch that in the story? And that he, I'm going to say to my soul. See, there's a big problem. Because he's not thanking God, he's not recognizing God, anything. And he's saying this, he doesn't think he has any spiritual responsibility to anybody but himself. I'm going to say to my soul, soul, take it easy, don't worry about anything, eat, drink, be merry, all of that. And then, but, but, but to the people listening, it sounds like, yeah, this guy's got it together. Hey, good for him. But then Jesus says, but God said, fool. I mean, I'm just imagining that's the way it came out. People are like, What? And he says, yeah, this very night, that soul that you're not worrying about, I'm going to require it of you to stand before me. Obviously, you're not ready. But the other, even more obvious thing is all this stuff, you're not going to get to enjoy it. You're not going to get to take it with you. And then who's going to get it? Kind of sounds pretty empty, doesn't it? And then Jesus steps out of the parable and addresses the crowd by making a point of doctrine. He says a teaching. So this is why I'm trying to tell you. This is like it is for someone who lays up treasure for himself and is only rich to himself and is not rich toward God and, 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 and lays up treasure in heaven. This, this is what it's like. I'm just telling you. So that was the big lesson there um, that, that Jesus is trying to, to get across. Now, understand this. He wasn't a fool because he had extra. He had an opportunity to bless God and ask for God's blessing even in enjoying. And part of the way he would enjoy is maybe to help feed some people that needed food, to worship God with it. But he didn't do that. He wasn't a fool because he had extra. It was because he didn't understand the purpose of it. He didn't understand the purpose of it. He didn't understand why he has it and how to manage it. And it turns out that he could be like a lot of people. He was out of time before he was out of money. I just want to know that I got enough set back so that I can make it. Well, that's wise. That's good. That's part. But there's more Americans that run out of time before they run out of money, actually. And they're not preparing for that. So then the question was asked in verse 20, who will get the extra? What will you get for who will get what you provided for you? And the answer is, not him. Not him. It's going to be someone else. Someone else is going to benefit from all of his hard work. And it's not because he was generous, because he wasn't. It wasn't because he gave it, because he didn't. It's because it was pried out of his cold, dead hands. He didn't give it. He left it. He left it. And as Jesus brings this home... He reminds us, this is the way it is for those who think all the extra is always for themselves and they're not rich toward God. And now he's not, listen, are you listening? 
He is not teaching against preparing for the future. You're actually out of balance if you think that. What he is saying is this how it will be for those who think everything that comes their way is for them to consume and are not rich toward God. They're only rich toward themselves. You're only rich toward you because even though you've worked hard, God is the one who gave you the opportunity. God is the one who gave you the physical strength, the mental strength. God is the one who enabled you to get through whatever you went through. He gave you strength. He gave you abilities. He gave you blessings. He's the one who sent the rain for the crop to grow. And there's nothing in this guy's life that even recognizes God and any of that. Thought it was all about him. All right, so let's look at what's the meaning then of being rich. What does it look like to be rich toward God? As Jesus addresses this in verse 33, if you drop on down, where he's trying to give the disciples. See, that's the thing he did. He not only taught the disciples, but then he would take them out and turn them loose and have them do things. And then they got to put into practice what he's teaching. And, and as he was... Um, Doing some of this. And he was telling them to sell possessions, to give to the needy, provide for yourself. Provide yourselves with money bags, verse 33, that do not grow old. With a treasure in heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches, no moth destroys. It will always be safe and it's drawn interest that you can't believe. And then that's where he said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now you're going to have stuff and you're going to have to manage stuff. But if you're all focused on that, you're not going to build treasure in heaven. And where your, where your treasure is, that's where your heart really is. Are you seeking first the kingdom of God? That's some of the thing he's going to point out here. Um, so is Jesus trying to say, sell everything and give it, to the, give it away? No. But he is saying, he does mean that, that some of what you don't need, you can help others with. Some of that extra stuff. Remember, why are you blessed? We are blessed to be what? Yes, a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. I want to, I want, you want to be you want to be like the, the river that's flowing, not like the Dead Sea that's only receiving and nothing coming out. Amen. He's pouring in and pouring through me. So by doing this, you provide for yourself something better. It's a treasure that never wears out. It never, the warranty never expires. The riches never fail. See, in God's economy, when I take some of my extra and I worship him with it and, when I'm, uh, and, and, and make sure that when I have more than what I need, I give to those who don't have what they need, he considers it treasure in heaven. When I'm rich toward people who are important to God, what people are important to God? All people. He values us all the same. Even people I don't agree with. Hmm? As I'm rich toward people who are important to God, I'm also being rich toward God. This is so important because once again... There's this reminder in verse 34, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In being blessed and working hard, this is a correction that I need to constantly make so I keep my balance. The man in the parable's heart was completely tied to this life only and to himself only. So when he died, he suffered total loss, didn't he? He lost his life. He lost his riches. He lost his extra. He lost everything. If life is all about material things and money, then to die would be total loss, wouldn't it? Game over. But Paul said this. If you know Christ and walk by faith, Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ. Amen? For me to live is, is, is the creator God living in and through me, the Savior. That's what living is about. 
And to die wouldn't be lost. To die is gain. To die is gain. Now, when, whenever I, I share in the memorial service of a believer, I always seem to use this verse, that to die is gain. I mean, we can't imagine it, but with the right combination of understanding and following Christ and putting up treasure in heaven, I mean, leaving that behind is nothing compared to the riches and the glory that you're going to right now. And I want to tell you, no matter what your bank account, no matter what your assets are, if you have Christ and if you're focused on him, you are rich beyond your wildest imagination. Right now in Christ. And you're going to get to enjoy riches forever that you can't imagine. But for those who are only focused on themselves in the here and now, they're not. They're going to leave it all behind. So what to do, what to do, what to do. Can we bring it on in here now? I have to ask, am I living as if what I have equals my life? Or is my life more than that? Now to different ones of us, God is going to give different amounts of things to manage. Right? Okay, so instead of being envious or covetous towards someone else, I think I need to focus on doing a good job of managing what is already in my hands. Amen? Yeah, don't worry about somebody else. I need to worry about me managing whatever. And so some of us, and you know what? Um, Not that if I manage well, he will give me more, but why should he give me more to manage if I'm not managing well now? You know, right? Right? You want that better job. I want that this, I want that that. Well, are you doing the very best you can where you are? Well, you don't understand how they treat me. Yeah, well, they're not perfect over there either. But if you don't do the best that you can right there where you're at, why would God give you something even more? Right? I've been saying that for years. You know, if I can't do a better job pastoring this church, why should God give me a better one? So either I'm not really doing that great a job, or there's no better one. Amen? I don't know what you, what you said. But I know ministers who feel that way, you know, it's like, you know, I just want a better place. I want somebody, you know, or, or a church. I want a better church, you know, even if, you know, are we doing the best we can with what we have right here, right now? And if we're not, why should God give us more? So I want to be faithful, right? I can't control what other people do. I want to be faithful. And so we got work to do, amen? All of us do. So there are times in our lives, though, that we honestly didn't have much extra. There, how about you? <laughs> you had those times? Yeah. In fact, there were times that we struggled to keep the heat going, didn't we, babe? And, and, and food on the table. And there was a time, if it wasn't for Wick, we wouldn't have been able to do it. But you know, during those times, there were other people that helped us out. There were family members that helped us out. And sometimes, sometimes they helped us out with this to help keep us balanced. It's like, okay, you guys, we're going to help you out, but you're not managing things quite like you should. And it came with a lot of advice, did it not? And helped us learn and grow. And we're still learning and growing. And trying to stay on balance and things like that. Uh, And there were times that God just gifted us, right? You've heard me tell the story about that crazy little poodle dog. That Clarissa brought home that time. We lived in an apartment in Norman, Oklahoma. And we were as broke as could be. You know, we would invite college friends who were still living in the dorms. And their parents were sending them money. We were married. See, we're trying to make it on our own. And we'd invite them over to the house to watch the one TV that we had. and, um, (laughs) And they would flop around, you know, on the couch. And then after they left, we'd dig through the pillows to see if they drop change and things like that you know i mean we would save up so we could stop at mcdonald's you know anyway um but that one little dog that we we didn't need to have to buy food for a little dog but somehow you ended up with it baby we're not going to get into all of that now and and the fact that the dog ended up being like demon possessed at one point i think but it tried to eat my bible but um it did uh but but yet god even used that little dog remember we let it out to go to the bathroom and he came back with something in his mouth and it was what a 20 dollar bill wasn't it 
a $20 bill. I mean, we didn't even know how we were going to pay the electric bill that month in our little poodle that I couldn't stand. Although I did, you know, it won me over. It won me over, but. Okay, I'm going to be careful what I say about this. I know, it's me. I've, I've got the cord twisted. Huh. But it came back with no kidding. At 20, and, you know, it's not like, I'm like, okay, mine. You know, we did ask around, did anybody lose any money? You know, and if so, how much? And what were the serial numbers? No, I mean, nobody that lived in our complex. And, you know, the way the wind blew out there in Oklahoma, it, no telling, it may have blown from some rich guy that's being selfish, right? I don't know. It blew around, man. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll be, I'll be still. I'll be still. Oh, man. Okay. Words don't last too long with me. All right. You want me to switch? I'll, I'm just going to wrap it up right now. Okay. We're good. Gary says be still. So I want to be balanced. You want to take and give and help. Now, even in helping others, you don't want to enable others, right? I want to remind us real quick of something that, that um, Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 3.10 when he said, when I was with you, I even commanded you this then. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. So we're not saying enabling people. So we got to be balanced. So here's what, here's how we'll wrap it up. What to do. I want to worship God with the tithe. This is fair. It's a percentage. You know, it's always the same. However, it's, we find it psychological. Don't, don't, focus, don't focus on the percentage I mean, don't focus on the amount, focus on the percentage. Let me say it right. Focus on the percentage. Because in the amount, like all of a sudden, if God blesses you with $100,000, you know, the 10% seems like, whoa, right? Then when you had $100 and it was just $10. So worship God. And that's, that's something you find happening before the law, during the law, after the law. It's just a fair thing to do. Nobody here is going to check up on you on that. That's between you and God, by the way, and how you do that. But I worship. It's an act of worship where I'm, I'm saying, Lord, I'm, I'm entrusting this to you. I'm worshiping. I'm not giving you your cut. I'm just worshiping you with this because it all came from you. And then I recognize the 90%. I still need to manage it because guess what? It's God still too. All right. So I worship with the tithe and then I serve with the extra, the offering. That's the way I look at it is I worship with the tithe and then I serve him by giving the extra wherever and however we do that. And then offer thanksgiving and praise for his provision that you enjoy. The part that I get to enjoy, the things that I get to do, we get to go out and eat, we get to have this or that. After I've done that, I'm going to thank God and I'm going to praise God and I'm going to enjoy it more. And I'm going to be more content because I realize it came from God and it's a blessing from him and not just me. So even the part that I use and consume, I'm going to offer thanksgiving and praise for. But I want to honor God with 100% of it. That's the whole point right there. But if you have a savings plan and you have a spending plan, but you don't have a giving plan, you still need to make a correction. God doesn't give it all to me just for me. He wants to be glorified. And you know what? As I give and I help others, well, I could go on with this. I've got to wrap it up. I'm storing up treasure in heaven. And look what happens. Needs will be met. God's work is funded. Be rich toward God, storing up treasure in heaven that lasts forever. I'm going to experience verse 15, where I realize my life doesn't consist in the abundance of my possessions. I'm going to be content no matter what, have a lot or have a little. 
And I can never lose what I've already given. Somebody can't take it from me. I can't lose it if I've already given it. I've invested it in God's kingdom. So this isn't just financial decisions. It's spiritual decisions that we're making to be balanced. God help us. Father, uh, thank you again that we can come to your word and find your truth.